Well, I mean, let's just state the facts. I mean, I'm a highly successful NFL head coach. So, you know, with that, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I've never. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Giants looking for a stop. What the hell's going on out here? They're going to air it out. Rodgers does this better than anybody. End zone, Cobb, touchdown! Everybody, it's time to relax, sit back, kick back, lay back, sit up, stand up, look up, look down, whatever you want to do, just just turn us on. You can do whatever you want. Play us in the background, but it's Blue Cheese Radio here on PackToTheFuture.com. However you choose to consume us is your uh, your prerogative. <laughs> well, I could just Either go way. lay by the bay, eat some hay. I just may. Make things out of clay. <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to do, Blue Cheese Radio is there for you to uh, to keep you company. Um, I wonder, uh, I wonder if anybody was listening to uh, some Blue Cheese Radio during the eclipse. I wonder. I don't know. Cool. You know, I would. I want to see the numbers on exactly how many radio stations were playing anything from Dark Side of the Moon during the eclipse. Well, the college radio station here, the one from Murray State, uh, right around the time it started, they played nothing. I think they played The Doors, Waiting for the Sun. They played Here Comes the Sun by The Beatles. They played Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. Anything with sun in the title, they they played it. So that's what we were listening to uh, while we were watching it. Did you? Where did you guys see it at? We actually were able to see it from home. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's probably what we should have done. We ended up going to the Trail of Tears Park and going trying to find a spot out there. We found a pretty decent spot, but... Well, and here's the thing, is the one that happens in seven years will cross right over Evansville, so mm-hmm. there's not. I'm not going to have to leave anywhere. I'll be able to just walk outside, and it'll be great. <clears throat> well, get ready for the madhouse, because it was... Ridiculous! Oh, I'm going to charge like $500 for <laughs> five by five plots of my yard. You might as we well. A, you know, a house by then. People here were doing it. People here were renting out spare rooms. People were renting out their houses. Yeah. I mean. Well, I heard that somebody from Europe got in touch with someone from Hoptown and paid them a few thousand dollars or something like that to move their furniture out of their house for a couple days and let them move their furniture into their house for a couple days and then get it all out and move the other people's furniture back in just so they could like be at home technically for the eclipse for a couple days okay those people have too much time and money on their hands that's all Europeans <laughs> man well we did well we did meet some people from Denmark uh, after after the eclipse, well, I don't, we didn't we didn't meet them, but we heard that they were in uh, the Long John Silver's down on Fort Campbell Boulevard. Uh, <laughs> so there were people from Denmark here. We there were a lot of people from Michigan, uh, some people from New York State. Um, I saw a lot of Canadian license plates. I I got yeah. behind a car from uh, Ontario on my way to work Friday afternoon. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Montana, lot, lots of places. Mexico, there was a dude that came up from Mexico. Um, so yeah, for for anybody that doesn't know, hasn't been following, uh, I'm actually in Hopkinsville, Kentucky right now. We actually made the front page of USA Today this morning. Uh, the eclipse, this was apparently the, the best spot in... Uh, to watch the eclipse from. So we had people coming from all over the place. And it was, uh, you know, the town really wasn't that bad. They were talking, I mean, they were sending out like press releases and stuff. Like if you happen to get out during the weekend, make sure you have plenty of water and food just in case you get stranded in traffic. So we were like ready for Armageddon here, but it was, it wasn't anything. I think pretty much everybody pretty much, it was all centered in the downtown area. So if you avoided the downtown area over the weekend, you were fine. Um, but after the eclipse, man, trying to get out of there, it was it, it was chaotic. Everybody trying to get on the, the parkway to I-24 yeah. to get out of here. Well, I mean, and of course, the good Lord planned the eclipse the same weekend as the Kelly Greenman Festival. So that made traffic even worse. <laughs> oh, and so many so. conspiracy theories. About that. that oh, the green I can were, were the Anybody that doesn't know the story... Uh, the Kelly Greenman, Kelly, Kentucky, which is about 15 minutes from Hopkinsville, 15 minutes north of Hopkinsville, uh, Kelly, Kentucky, back in the 50s, there was a, a famous alien encounter, uh, UFO sighting or whatever, where these these hillbillies out in, on a farm somewhere in Kelly uh, claimed to see little green men outside, and it, it just blew up into this huge story, and so uh, about five years ago or so, we started the we did not didn't start anything but the people that do it started the kelly green man festival um so there was all kinds of like conspiracy theories that the green men were coming down they knew it was going to happen this was this is when they were going to return <laughs> and they were just scouting it, it was just like oh, it's and it's been everything from the green men to the rapture and the beginning of tribulations and it, you know yeah, what? that's that shit you were telling me science you were, that shit you were telling me last it's week. It's pretty was, crazy. Yeah, isn't it? explain that to the to the fine people out there. Tell them what you told me because I was I was like, oh god. I mean, they're and, and you know, I, I'm a religious person. Anybody that knows, I'm born and raised Baptist. I didn't think this was the end of the world. I wasn't that that crazy on it, but you know, and people will make anything match that they want to, just like all the number twenty three theorists out there and, <laughs> and all this and that but you know it, it was odd and it was kind of eerie that so much of these things matched up with uh, biblical verses and whatnot, talking about how God said he would darken the earth at noon and the eclipse started over Hopkinsville around like 1156 and uh the other eclipse is seven years from now. It's an unprecedented thing, and people thought this was the start of the seven years of tribulations, and that with how the eclipses um, actually cross paths, be it seven years apart, but they cross over that uh, fault line right there, Mississippi River Valley, that's been due for a huge earthquake, and somewhere it said, you know, God said he would make the earth crumble and shake, and all this there's a lot to it i'm not going to explain it all on the air but people can look it up pretty easy a lot of resources out there i mean there was just a lot of things that matched up biblically to to the events taking place it was just you know it, it's some wild stuff to think about yeah it was pretty funny i'm like uh we went 
like I said, we went to the Trelatiers Park to watch it, and it was me and my girlfriend Kelsey, and we took her grandmother, her 82-year-old grandmother, we took uh, to see the eclipse. Um, so we were all out there watching, and her grandma was just talking about, she was, I think she was a little disappointed, because the whole time she was talking about like. that when the... When when the eclipse happens, there's uh, there's gonna be snakes all over the ground and all this stuff. And she had this like wild idea of what was gonna happen. So like it happened, and we were watching it, and we were enjoying it. And then afterwards, she was just kind of looking a little disappointed, and we were like, well, "What's wrong?" You know? And she was like, "Well, I was I was waiting for the snakes and all the the crazy stuff they were talking about that was gonna happen. Wait, I didn't see it." And I was like, "Well, you know, you just you can't listen to." can't listen to your radio and and wherever you got that you just can't take that too seriously i guess but i think what they were talking about i guess it's not literally snakes but i guess that's what they call it there's like something that like the shadows do because i saw some pictures of it but i'm not sure i can't explain it i'm sure i sound completely ridiculous right now trying to but for any for any enthusiasts out there you know what i'm talking about but uh yeah, it, it was pretty cool it was a literally a once in a lifetime thing so although not really I guess there's another one in seven years so what the hell <laughs> but moving on to the football portion of the show <laughs> now that we've gotten through the science part of the show um I don't think we introduced ourselves I guess if you're listening to the show for the first time I'm Mike and, and joining I'm <laughs> and there is your dagger no, not not quite yet not quite yet still a little ways still a little ways to go um but the Packers are in preseason mode. They're in full-on Packers preseason mode because half the roster is now injured, apparently. Um, but they went in, played the Redskins uh, on Saturday. Um, 21-17, Packers victory. Uh, large assist for Mr. Taysom Hill. But we will get to that here uh, in just a while. Uh, but as I mentioned... Man, injuries continue to pile up. Last week, we had Demarius Randall go out with a concussion. We had Malachi Dupree go out with a concussion. This week, it's more of the same, more concussions. Um, Dean Lowry left the game with a knee injury. Jordan Tripp, the backup linebacker, left with a concussion. Uh, cornerback Ladarius Gunter left with a concussion. Uh, backup linebacker Derek Matthews left with a concussion. Um, uh, is is it just me? Is there more concussions this year? Does it seem like everybody's getting a concussion this year? Or is that the emphasis on protecting the players from concussions so big, especially in the preseason, that they're, they're just being very cautious right now? Um, I feel like that's a lot of it, is just being very cautious with people. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a couple nasty hits in the preseason already, but... Um, mm-hmm. You know, even in, in in these days in the player safety era, um, even if a player comes to the sideline and says he got dinged, he doesn't even have to be, you know, have hit hard and knocked down the field. If he even uses any kind of that language to say, oh, I got dinged or I got stunned, boom, you're done. You're out of the game. Concussion protocol. And that's the time we live in. And, I mean, yeah, it's it's good. The players have to be protected I can't really complain about the league trying to protect these guys either from, you know, just an actual health standpoint or from a financial standpoint for the league. We've already seen the, the ugliness of these injury lawsuits play out over the past few years. 
how bad that got. But, uh, touching on some of the concussion-related stuff, Demarius Randall has completed the concussion protocol and uh, has been practicing with the team. Um, Malachi Dupree was back on the field in practice. So that's great to see that young man back up. I I think he's got a lot of big things in his future. Yeah, and that's um, surprising to me because I, I just read today, I think it was, uh, I'm not even sure where I read it, but I, I, he, I saw a quote of him talking about uh, the game last week and after he got concussed and him pretty much waking up in an ambulance wondering how he got there and why he was there. And I think yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It's a scary thing, but he's back on the field, getting ready to go. I mean, we've got some guys coming back just as some guys are getting hurt. Uh, Montrevious Adams did some work against blocking sleds in practice. Vince Beagle has actually returned to the field just for walkthrough work. They're taking it slow. Mm -hmm. They're taking it easy. McCarthy actually came out and said that uh, Beagle won't actually practice this week, so it rules him out against the game against the Broncos, but he is actually doing substantial work reportedly on the sidelines during practice. So because I think there's a history with this foot injury and it being repaired, they're just being a little extra cautious with him and making sure that he hits the milestones. The physical therapy trainers want him to hit before they risk any kind of re-injury before it's, you know, playing games that even actually matter. Yeah. Um, no reason to rush news. him back appreciate He's going to make the roster. Yeah. So it's... Good news, Dean Lowry's knee injury is not serious. He didn't practice Tuesday, but uh, it's not a long-term concern. McCarthy, of course, wouldn't go into details, but um, one reporter from... Uh, oh, the news isn't listed, but to give him credit, Josh Flickinger is the reporter saying that it's uh, a sprained MCL. So it's just something they're going to be careful with, I'm sure, if that is the case. That's good, because that would have but... been a big blow. Um, I, I oh, noticed yeah. in the game, I noticed in the game, Lowry actually got the start over uh, Ricky Jean-Francois. So, they're depending yeah, on him to Lowry... make a big splash this year. <laughs> He's going to be a, a beast. Our defensive line shaping up to be something could be something really special. Yeah. But uh Nick Perry and J. Ron Elliott also apparently suffered injuries during practice on Tuesday. But both did return to the field within minutes of leaving the field, so there's, you know, obviously no real concern there. Mhm. Um that's really about it covering the injuries that we've got going on right now. The only other little news nugget to talk about is the Packers actually signed another player. Uh, D-tackle Calvin Hurtaloo from Miami. Hurtaloo. Uh, Hurtaloo. Hurtaloo. Love his name. <laughs> it's something you can chant. But uh, he's, you know, he's big boy, 6'2", 305. He played in 26 games for the Hurricanes, making 24 starts in those two seasons with 52 tackles, a half sack, and a fumble recovery. Another, another one of those, uh, one of those guys that can be the classic Dom Capers space eater. Mm-hmm. I think he'll probably end up as a jar on the shelf if he makes the practice squad someone to develop more likely than not if, if they like what they see. Yeah, and he was coming from Denver, right? Yeah. 
Could it be that they just signed him to get a little bit of dirt on the Denver Broncos before the upcoming preseason? I, I don't <laughs> think that really matters in the preseason. Is McCarthy really going that insane? Or uh, Hey, it's the nah. third preseason game. It's the dress rehearsal, man. It's the dress rehearsal. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to see the starters much more shit. in this game. But, you know, and... and you know, I, I made a good call last week. Aaron Rodgers did make a, an appearance for that first series of the game against Washington, and damn, did he look sharp. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he was not only pretty damn flawless drive that he led for the touchdown, but he also called a perfect game on that drive, too. <laughs> so, yeah. he's Twice. pulling double duty. Yeah, two good calls. Yeah, he's went after those referees twice one for the uh the no flag on on the free play with the the big t the big d tackle just kind of jogging off the field and <laughs> then again when they tried to call legal hand to the face on Bakhtiari, he got right in there and said no 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 that's the wrong guy <laughs> wrong that's guy wrong call wrong guy that's when you know that's against the other guy. That's when you know you've got the game figured out, and you're like you are the quarterback. Like this is when you start yeah. when you start refing the game too. You know what I mean? Like you're not only are you worrying about yeah. your job, but you're worrying about you know. I, oh, you're making sure. Yeah, yeah. It's and you know it wouldn't surprise me if, if Rogers kept doing it all season long and ended up busting out the old Brett Favre line from the clip talking to the refs you know t- take two weeks off then quit <laughs> but uh just put a just put a striped jersey on him let him ref the game too might as well for real but but yeah I mean and and we talked about this when uh yeah you know, I got a new microphone headset because the old one was just I guess the Mac just didn't think it was good enough for it to be plugged into or whatever. But uh did a little mic test and talked about Aaron Rodgers being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> He's the dick. He's not they a asked dick. him He's they the asked dick. him after yeah. Asking him after the game about the, the free play and his, his response was they know better. Well they do. Have you not watched I mean, this man you, play quarterback for the past two or three years? That's what he does. You know, you know you've gotten too good at everything that you do when you can genuinely sit back and say they know better. Yeah. When you're talking about catching the other team with a penalty. Not yet. This I isn't mean, about it's... bringing pressure. This isn't about you know stacking up against the run against a quick passing attack. This is about catching the other team with a twelfth man on the field. I mean, that's just when you're so aware of your surroundings and what's going on and where you're at in the game and and what you're doing. I mean, that's just – that's when you know you've got the, the damn game mastered. You know, calling protections is something Aaron Rodgers probably could do in his sleep. Not, not even have to think about it. Oh, yeah. He could probably just smell a linebacker, the Mike linebacker. You know, he doesn't even have to look. He can be, just, just smell the Mike linebacker he just, at this point. He has a feel for the pocket and the feel for pressure in a way that it's uncanny. It's like Aaron Rodgers has spider sense. I think he does. That's about all point. I know to say about it. <laughs> I think he does. Yeah, point. he got bit by radioactive God knows what. He's not quite human anymore. Well, a good transition, talking about a uh, a superhero quarterback, I think, uh, I think there's another quarterback that I wanted to talk about 
I think he got bit by a, a radioactive uh, uh, stink bug. Um, <laughs> Blake Bortles, not Packers related. <laughs> is not even in the NFC North. Not even in the NFC. But I, I have to to just lay this out for God and everybody to hear. He's he's got to be playing the worst quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime. Just I don't know what happened to this guy, but the way he throws the ball, the way that a, a receiver will be wide open, and any quarterback that plays professional football should be able to hit. And, and they and it lands five feet in the dirt at their feet. I mean, he, he's uh, his new nickname for me is is the Worm Killer, the Worm Terminator. He he he, will, <laughs> chucking it into the ground uh, or overthrowing. Um, and even when the ball is on target, it doesn't seem like he's he throws, you know, what what we call a catchable ball, which sounds like bullshit. It's like, well, aren't isn't any ball that he throws a wobble ball? Yeah, and the receivers can't catch a ball that's on target that he throws. I don't know if it's because he throws like he's throwing a baseball or what it is with this guy, but I was just blown away the other night watching that preseason game and watching some of the just the throws. I mean, he play. He did a play fake to no one at one point. Like, what are you doing, dude? It's uh, well, well. I mean, I'm going to ask you then: Are you willing to make a bold prediction? Something like uh, within the next three years, Blake Bortles is out of the NFL and in the CFL. He wouldn't even be in the CFL. This the Canadians don't want oh. that shit either. Oh. <laughs> He may be, he may be, uh, he may be in the arena league with old uh, Hefty Lefty or something. But hey, he he's he is working hard to promote physical fitness and health and getting his weight down. Let's everybody give a hand to Jared Lorenzen for a minute, and I'll tell you this: give this man some praise for taking control of his I'll life. I'll tell you this: if I'm Doug Marone. I'd rather have Jared friggin' Lorenzen uh, as my quarterback than Blake Bortles at this point. And I, well, good God, <laughs> man, he's battling for the job against Chad Henney. Yes. You know what my lasting memory of Chad Henney is? What? He was the third string quarterback in Minnesota when they signed Brett Favre, and when he was asked, oh. "Are you going to give up the number four to Brett Favre coming in?" He said, "No, nah, that's my number." They cut him the next day. <laughs> That's how expendable Chad Henney is. The number I forgot four he was, even was on worth there, so. more than him on the roster. Well, good Lord. There's a number worth more than Chad Henney, so <laughs> that's who Blake Bortles is about to lose his job to, if that says anything to anybody. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's incredible. Uh, but you know what, though? To kind of to bridge this topic with some Packers talk, do you think they may be getting on the phone here shortly to ask about Mr. Brett Hundley? You know what? If he keeps on playing the way he's playing, I don't see why the hell not. Yeah. I mean, the Packers, I think the Packers are... I mean, he and he looked a lot better than he did against Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. He looked good against Philly, but he had his moments. But Brett Hundley has control of this offense, and, you know, good God, there's one player he's really meshing with right now, and that's Jeff Janis, <laughs> Mr. Preseason Warrior himself. Choo-choo! 
if he continues to have this kind of preseason, yeah, all aboard the damn Janus hype train. <laughs> it's picking but up if steam. if he continues to have a preseason like he's having, there's no way they can cut him. They won't. He won't let him. It's like he's. It's like every season. It's like, well, this no. is this is the season Jeff Janis goes away, and and it's like preseason rolls around and he turns into Jerry Rice, and you're like, oh shit, this guy's about to have a breakout year. You know, and then the season rolls around and he, he Jeff Janis. <laughs> he may as well go ahead and start popping the eyebrow because Jeff Janis truly is the people's champion, and I mean nobody wants to see him gone. Everybody loves him, the people love him, and the team can't cut him. It's like they draft more receivers thinking, yep, we're going to replace Jeff Janis. Nah, he's just come out averaging 20.7 yards a catch <laughs> in the preseason right now and running good routes. Oh, I don't know how that happened. And but... he can play special teams. And Trevor Davis just muffed, muffed yeah. another punt. So, Oh, God. And it's like Trevor Davis is conspiring to keep Jeff Janis on this team. Yeah, one step forward, two steps back for this dude. <laughs> it... <laughs> You know, I feel bad for Davis because I I don't feel like he's a bad returner. We know he, he can, can return. Be, it's just I, being I smart like about it. He should have fair caught yeah, that exactly. ball. There was too much traffic, and I think this is a prime example of a guy trying to do trying too much. Trying too hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm telling you though, if Jacksonville's calling, I I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate trying to. I'll tell you what I'll I'll, no. I'll take I'll take a Leonard Fournette for Brad Hundley straight up. I mean, good God, we've got apparently Steve Young 2.0 trying to vie for the third quarterback spot on this team <laughs> and Taysom Hill. That's who he looked like running that touchdown. Yeah, exactly, in. and I mean, I, I I don't want him to cut Joe. I think Callahan is is I don't either is a perfect fit in this system. But at the same time, they're not going to keep four quarterbacks. Hell, they might not even keep three. And Taysom Hill's making a making a case. No. I, if I doubt they would be able to even stash him on the practice squad if he keeps playing the way he's been playing. And you know, first two weeks, I felt bad for smoking Joe in the game too because our he second string offensive line for the most part played like absolute garbage. Yeah, he got creamed. One player in particular continues to play like garbage, and I'll get to him in a minute. But poor smoking Joe, just he did he couldn't even breathe back Mm-mm. there. They've got him for... Even trying to scramble. I mean, the only reason Taysom Hill was even able to do, for the most part, was he was able, what he was able to do is because of his speed. And they had a lot more of the fringe guys in playing defense at that point, too. Washington played their starters on both sides of the ball an oddly long amount of time in this game. Well, gee, that first, that first team Which offense... Which to me says a lot more looked- for our defense, too. Yeah, exactly. That first team offense, they didn't score a point. Well, I guess they didn't score a touchdown until uh, the end of the first half. And we already had – I mean, we were already playing our backups by then. But, boy, they yeah. looked terrible. That yeah, Washington – I think Washington may really take a step back this year. I think losing to Sean Jackson, Pierre Garçon, uh, you know, they may take a real step back. And with the whole Kirk oh, Cousins yeah. situation going on, I think, you know, there may be more turmoil and uh, with that team than well, – we really think. And you know what? Speaking of the defense, Josh Hawkins really, really stepped up in this game and really made yeah, he his shut case down that Vernon he Davis. needs to be on the roster. I mean, and and he made smart plays. It weren't, He didn't mm-hmm. make all the flashiest plays. He had a really up-and-down training camp. 
but he he earned some some time with the ones leading up into this game. They were testing him. You know what? He really rewarded the coach's confidence in him, giving him that chance in this game because he made you know some really great open field tackles. He you know saved that touchdown uh, against Vernon Davis. He forced the know, incompletion against Vernon there. Davis. That was a, a huge veteran type of play to not worry about the interception, to not worry about just trying to get a guy down, but to stick your hand in there and just make sure the ball wasn't caught. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth, he laid a hit on Vernon Davis on mm-hmm. that uh, fourth down, the second quarter, that I, you know, they originally ruled it a fumble, but that's neither here nor there. It's preseason. Who gives a shit? But the guy well, thing is, it was an incompletion. Game. He forced the incompletion, yeah. and luckily it was because the fumble was actually recovered by Washington, wasn't it? So yeah. it actually worked out for the best, but. Um, but yeah, yeah. But I, the pass defense, it, like you said, it was against Washington, and they're going to take a step back this year. I'm totally in agreement on that. But the the secondary didn't look too bad, even the backups no? against Washington starters. But then uh, you know. Uh, you, you, I don't yeah. want to get too high or too low on that, just because, no, like we like no, we just mentioned, Washington's offense, the Redskins' offense, um, yeah, looked like garbage. Even even hearing from uh, Terrell Pryor during the game, because I had to watch the yeah. uh, the Redskins version. Even Terrell Pryor was like, "Yeah, we're still working, trying to figure our way out." And I was like, "Oh God." Yeah, that's the trouble. version of it I saw was the the Redskins coverage, but yeah, this team's in trouble. You this know year, what? But... <laughs> they they couldn't stop praising Aaron Rodgers though. How could you? He's just talking the perfect about, man. You know, you talk about a catchable ball. <laughs> they were on there talking about how he puts on a spiral on that ball like no one they've ever seen. It's a perfect ball almost every time he gets it yeah. there. But uh, gotta gotta damper the moment a little bit. Talking about the offense, we mentioned the backup lineman. We got to come back to Jason Spriggs. Oh, we'll come back to Spriggs. We're gonna we're gonna get into all this here just shortly, uh, but just I guess to wrap up the uh, the opening segment of the show here, one other thing you wanted to talk about I thought was pretty funny and worth mentioning as well. Uh, speaking of catchable balls and throwing a tight spiral, apparently Brett <laughs> Favre has has ruined the hands of many of his former receivers. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, we've we've talked on this show before about guys like Donald Driver saying they had to get their hands stitched back up because he split the webbing on their hand going all the way down to their wrist. And, and now we've got another guy out here talking. Antonio Freeman was asked in a, a sports show chat if he ever really gets a chance to show off his Super Bowl ring. And his reply was pretty to the point, like, no. Brett Favre broke all my fingers, so it doesn't really fit anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, the joy of playing with Brett Favre. Yeah, he broke and or dislocated seven out of ten of Antonio Freeman's fingers multiple times, and apparently, according to him, Favre takes pride in that. It's something he's like, (laughs) yeah. What? Which one did I get this time? (laughs) Type of deal, and then. Uh, in in relation to it, it was Robert Brooks, not Keith Jackson like I thought it was earlier, but Robert Brooks had to get his wedding ring 
uh, custom sized because Favre broke his ring finger. I think he said three different times, three four different times, and it was just so mangled he couldn't wear his wedding ring anymore without having to get it all refitted and everything. <laughs> it's pretty bad when you when you when you get older and your grand you telling your grandkids about your playing days and and you're like yeah these are my hands are busted and bruised and all messed up from my playing days and be like oh what was it from a tackle or you know did you break your hand did you get no, stepped just, on or yeah yeah no just just uh, my I got a, my quarterback gave me some of the worst injuries of my life just <laughs> catching his footballs you know he he was just throwing us these balls in practice and just breaking our hands and whatnot you know but you know what that says a you get whole used lot to it after to a while. about these receivers like Antonio Freeman and Sterling Sharp and Robert Brooks that were able to catch and hold on to these balls mhm it's like damn yeah yeah i mean that's uh, that's pretty funny, though. I, I mean, just I mean, Jesus Christ, just watch him play. I mean, especially like I like I we talked about a few episodes ago, and I was watching the '93 uh, playoff game against the Lions, and just the touchdown passes he threw yeah. Sterling Sharp looked like they they would just tear through somebody if if they got in, if they got in anybody's way, and it that's you know Aaron Rodgers is pretty much he's got the the same type of arm strength, I don't, but he's got more a little bit more of touch to it, but he can. You can zing him in there too. I wonder how many fingers oh, he's yeah, broken. Yeah, maybe that's why Greg yeah, Jennings Rogers is so buttered. He had to go through his whole career getting his fingers <laughs> broke by Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. So, or maybe he's butthurt because he wasn't worth the money that he thought he was, and life wasn't so good <laughs> when you were trying to catch balls from subpar quarterbacks. Well, actually, I was watching. Uh, he was on. I can't remember what show it was on, like ESPN or something like that. But they were asking, you know, when did you know that Aaron Rodgers was a special quarterback? And he was just talking about he knew it from, you know, he did, it wasn't that he knew it from day one, but he realized pretty quickly that even in his rookie year, he was preparing like a professional, and and he he could see the the maturation happening really fast with him. But he was talking about uh, yeah, but he was talking about how what what it was like going from Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers to Christian Ponder and uh, those the oh. likes of those guys and he was like he, he just kind of smiled and giggled. He's like I got just to be honest I knew I knew what I was getting into I knew it was going to be a, a, a bit of a different experience but and I was like yeah no shit you're going from Aaron Rodgers to, to Christian Ponder who's you know who's probably going to be watching the games on Sunday with Blake Bortles uh, here within the next year or so God. um <laughs> Is Christian Ponder even in the league anymore? Is he like a third stringer somewhere? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's. That's the that's only a, answer I can give you. I don't know. Nor do I really care. I was just mainly asking that for. <laughs> and you know, I I even had an argument with my brother <clears throat> when he got drafted. Like, oh, you know, Christian Ponder, he might might come in there and look pretty good for Minnesota. And no. That's all I could tell him was, nah, man. Yeah, I mean, that was... They overdrafted him. Yeah. Pretty much every quarterback in that draft was overdrafted. Blaine Gabbert, Jake Locker, Christian Ponder, everybody except, I guess, Cam Newton, who was the first one. Then everybody else just just reached for a quarterback after Cam went, so... I feel like that's going to happen with a few from this draft, but... 
we'll have to wait a few years on that. Yeah, you never know. I mean, but, you know, Bortles was a reach. He was the number three pick. Well, you know, so. the Bears fans are all saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, and they might as well go ahead and polish up a bust for old Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, I can't... After, I, you know, a couple preseason games. Yeah, I mean, I gotta, I mean I'll got. I mean, i be fair to the Bears, because there's nothing quite like being fair to a bear, but um, I just like... I, <laughs> I just like the rhyming there. Um, <laughs> but Trubisky hasn't looked too bad. He hasn't looked great. I think there's a lot of hype about his numbers. Uh, you know, yeah. what his numbers look his like. His numbers it, against second, second and third team. stringers. Yeah. But, you know, his numbers don't pre-season. look too bad. He, he's got some athleticism. I mean, he he's a, he looks like a competent quarterback. I'm not going to say he's going to be a really good quarterback or a great quarterback, but he looks more competent than than I was expecting this early. So, you know, I'll I'll give some credit where credit's due. I just I just want to know how he's going to react with Mike Daniels in his face. Yeah, that's going to be fun to see. Or even Kenny Clark, man. And good god, yo Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry now or if Nick Perry breaks a hand and comes swinging a cast at him or something. <laughs> comes clubbing you know going clubbing yeah damn that was a, that was a good title for a show we totally missed out on last year oh well we really did oh well <laughs> we'll keep that in mind i'm sure he'll break another hand this yeah, year. yeah i'm sure that club will be back uh sooner rather than later but um but we will be back here after a word from our fake sponsors and we'll get into a recap of the packers 21 17 victory over the washington redskins right after these words from our fake sponsors for this nice kickoff from the goal line. What does greatness taste like? To a hole of the 20, to the 30, outside, to the 40. Open a Miller Lite. He made it on. Midfield. To the 40. You're on your way to a rich golden color, a real beer aroma, and a true Pilsner taste. The 25, 20, the 10, 5. Touchdown for Desmond Howard. Their trophy is coming home. There's light beer, and then there's triple hops brewed Miller Lite. Taste greatness. World champion Green Bay Packers. And we are back here on Blue Cheese Radio, exclusively on Blog Talk Radio and PackToTheFuture.com. Uh, here to recap the Packers' 21-17 victory over the Washington Redskins in preseason game number two, uh, a game where Aaron Rodgers did see action, limited, but he did see action. Uh, we discussed it uh, on our last segment, but we'll, we'll touch on it again here in just a second. Um, Rodgers... One series, um, pretty pretty flawless, uh, I would say. Yeah, he uh, he was definitely looking like he was in regular season form at least about a month deep. He just what what more can we say about Aaron Rodgers that we haven't already said? Well, if I can go down the conspiracy route for a second, I, th- I think. Dump getting. <laughs> I think ditching Olivia Munn might have a big uh, effect uh, on his uh, on his play this year. God. And you know what? I never put too much stock into that until I I heard his quote uh, probably about a month ago, where I heard where I heard he said that uh, he has a uh, what is it a renewed love affair with the sport of football. And that was like I was like oh, okay I see what happened. 
you got all worked up about some girl and things were going good so football kind of went on the back burner and then as soon as she started bitching and nagging you were like well i gotta immerse myself in football again and that's when the run the table thing started and i think after he ran the table he was like all right i don't need this broad anymore and you know what if we get a whole season of that it's going to be absolute madness because he threw for like 4,400 yards last year and 40 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And a great deal of that was over a six-game stretch. So (laughs) if if he's got a a clear head and is just, you know, neck deep in football all the way through a whole season, I'm not going to say it's going to happen but I'm saying it could happen, and Rodgers even acknowledged that it could happen. But with the additions they've made to this team and things they can do formationally now, this offense could be better than the 11 offense. Well, I think this offense can be at least as good as the 2011 offense because I think this is um, this is probably the first... Let me think. This might be the first season since the 2011 season that the Packers have like a legitimate five-man spread where they're legitimate weapons if you spread oh, yeah. them out five wide. Yeah, this is the deepest they've been since that season yeah. when you factor in the tight ends with the receivers. And could and you and can you imagine you I take think... that offense and you put it with a you know, it doesn't even have to be a, a, a great defense. Just a somewhat competent defense that this defense is capable of being. Just decent. It's yeah. got to be you know, like a top 15. It's got to be in the top half, as long as it's in the top half of the league. You know, and, and you know, not to take away from the 2011 defense, the defense was terrible in terms of yardage and whatnot, but they did get the turnover, so they still got to do that part, I guess, but... Just you know, you know, in defense of that defense, they were on the field so much because the offense scored so often. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of like it's very rare that you see a number one defense and number one offense together because when your offense is scoring a lot of points, your opponent feels the the pressure to score a lot of points, so your defense yeah. is in a vulnerable position anyway because. There's there's not really a balance going on. It's just guys chucking it down the field, and you know that's where your turnovers and stuff come from. But you know, but uh, we're not talking about the 2011 def- <laughs> team. Yeah. We're talking about yeah. the 2017 get, team. Get off to get off of it. But yeah, I mean, I think with Aaron Rodgers playing some of the best football of his career, he's still in the the athletic prime of his life. The additions that were made, and we saw glimpses the other night of this we saw a few looks at what a player like even even not as much with Kendricks because we Mm -hmm. didn't see a whole lot of him yet but I think we're going to see more of him as the season goes but just seeing what Martellus Bennett brings to this team could be phenomenal yeah for for this team for the first time we got to see a Rodgers to Bennett touchdown connection yeah, and uh, and they drive. have a really good rapport already. You know, that's that's a lot. They get along really well. And I wanted to try to keep an eye while Rodgers was in the game, especially on any formations they might use with Bennett. Mm-hmm. And I really liked what I saw when they went four wide out of eleven, uh, not eleven personnel, but out of, you know, a spread shotgun with Ripkowski in the game, 
Um, they had Bennett split out wide to the left, and then Jordy in the slot, Randall Cobb sandwiched between you know him and Devontae Adams out on the edge. Yeah, and that's that's a formation that can do a lot of things because they can even bring Bennett in tight to the line. And we saw Mike McCarthy is not afraid to play Martellus Bennett tight to the line much more than he would play Jared Cook or Richard Rogers tight to the line because he can block, which opens up the run game even from the shotgun, especially with a big back like Ripkowski in there. But then you have a nightmare scenario for defensive coordinators because they can do a lot of things out of the no huddle, especially with a versatile, complete tight end like Bennett without having a sub. And you look a little bit further into that drive and you see Devontae Adams still split out wide to the right. You see Randall Cobb split out wide to the left with Jordy Nelson in the slot and Martellus Bennett standing up next to Jordy Nelson almost stacked in the slot. Mm -hmm. The floods and the levels route combinations that you could use the man beaters there's a lot of possibilities from (laughs) a formation that seems so simple and it's just from having a tight end that is a complete tight end well the thing that uh, you pointed out when we talked uh, I guess it was last I guess it was Sunday night when we were testing the microphone out we were just kind of talking about the game and you were talking about uh, how having uh, being able to use Bennett as, either as a blocker on the line or put him out. If you just, it's hard to tell what because if you have Ripkowski, Bennett, uh, you see those guys coming in, and you're like, oh, this is probably going to be a, a power set, something like that. But Rogers can step back, Bennett can go out wide, and it's hard for a defense to to substitute correctly because you can't really tell what what this offense is going to do just based on the personnel so when Rodgers lined up Bennett out wide and had him lined up against a linebacker uh was it who the hell was it Mason Foster? Uh, Zach Brown Zach, oh Zach Brown yeah line him up against a linebacker out Zach wide Brown had and just, no chance yeah I mean he's a linebacker he's not used to covering any whether he's a tight end or not covering anybody one-on-one especially out wide, you do that, hell, you send a linebacker out, spread him out, and then you run Ripkowski up the middle. I mean, he, he really had two options there that would have yeah. worked pretty damn well. Just, well just and, and here's the thing with that is you see that formation, you see that, like we talked about, that forces Washington to stay in their base defense. Yeah, exactly. Without an extra DB on the field. <clears throat> Think about that with two tight ends on the field. Imagine that same scenario down there on the the three. I think that's where they were, right about the three. Um, And you've got Bennett tight to the line on one side and Lance Kendricks tight to the line on the other side with either Adams or Cobb split out wide to one side of the field. Jordy Nelson split out wide to the other side of the field. You're going to suck the defense down into a run look, but you've still got four receivers on the field. Yeah. Especially with Montgomery too. Possibility. We didn't are see. Endless. We didn't yeah, even see any Montgomery in this game. Yeah, he uh, he mm-hmm. had a soft tissue injury that they held him out of the game for. They didn't disclose what it was, but he's back at practice. Forgot to mention that. But uh, even some of the the rookies are good pass catchers. Mm-hmm. But especially with Montgomery and Jamal Williams, 
you effectively have five pass catchers on the field out of a heavy run look with a two tight end, two receiver, single back set. Yeah. This offense is going to mess some people up really, really bad this season. Yeah, I mean, they have to. I mean, there's just there's too much that you can do with the players that they got. Uh, you know, Bennett was just is such a big key piece. And, and we, we talked about it. They, they don't have to play traditional power run. I don't think they got the players to no. do it. But they can if they want to. This is a West Coast team. And I think Mike McCarthy seems like he's ready to acknowledge that. And granted... Jamal Williams didn't have any breakout runs in this game, but he kept the chains moving. Yeah. He was forceful. He's still got to learn to read the blocks and hit the proper hole and things like that, but, uh, you know, I, I see potential there. In, in limited action, there's potential there, and he's a guy that runs with a lot of power. Even he's a few pounds lighter than Montgomery. We have to remember that, but he runs with a lot of power. He really gets behind his pads and he really starts to push to gain that extra yardage and keeps the legs churning. That's one of the first things you look for on a running back. Can he keep his legs moving? And he did. And Mm -hmm. the game was still a pass-heavy series with Rodgers and Williams in the backfield. But the threat of the run was there and it was present through the whole series. Yeah, and that's all they need. They don't need to be a dominant yeah. run team. They don't need to to force the issue like I felt like they had they they did a, a, quite often when they had Eddie Lacy cuz I felt like they they had to cuz they were like, "Oh, we got Eddie Lacy. We we should try to run the ball more." But I as long as the threat of the run is there and they have to they have to at least respect the fact that you can run it. They don't. They don't. That's that's all they need. They don't have to be, you know, the Dallas Cowboys or the or the Titans or a team that's just a uh, bread and butter is the run game. They don't have to be that, and they, they yeah. shouldn't try to be that. It's not. It's not the DNA. Yeah, I mean, of this team. we're not. We're not looking for this team to come out and be the the two thousand Ravens or anything like that. We don't need that team. No. So, I, you know, if this team even halfway closely resembles or is better than the 2014 Packers, I will be pretty satisfied. Yeah, because that was, I mean, I think we'll all agree that was a Super Bowl. That 14 team was good. Team, Yeah. Yeah. So, if we can get back there, and I think, you know, the the three, the three or four year window there where a team hits their peak with a lot of the guys they've drafted and a lot of the positions that they filled... That's usually the way it goes. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the Steelers over the years, and, you know, the Steelers won the Super Bowl in 2000, what was it, 2005? Uh, yeah. yeah. And then went back in 2008, and there's like that three-year three, three year window, then we met them in Once you get that, and, that core together. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, filling the holes with new players and catching them up. It usually takes a few years. And that's why I'm hoping that this, this, this secondary steps up. You know, they they they're they're kind of yeah. they're all in that three to four year period where they're all like this is Randall's third year, Rollins' third year. This is House's uh, House's return. You know, he he's he's in this yeah. system. You know, he's back in a system he's comfortable ha-ha. in. Ha ha! This is his ha ha is what fourth year. So, and and Burnett, he's the 
the savvy veteran that plays three different positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so incredibly underappreciated league wide. Yeah, uh, like we talked about last week, I think he's going to have a huge year. Um, but just getting back to the to to the game here, we we already talked about uh, Lowry, Dean Lowry getting the start over Ricky Jean Francois. Something stuck out to me. We talked about Josh Hawkins doing a great yeah. job shutting down Vernon Davis, uh, really making a uh, having a really good comeback Make game. I guess is what you call he would comeback game because he yeah. looked terrible last week. Um, and they started him yeah. this week. He played yeah, a lot he of really starters. stepped up. Really stepped up. But I want to go back to the Trevor Davis conversation because Trevor Davis, after last week, we were like, well, that's it. Well, Trevor Davis is, is making the team. He's the kick returner. All is settled. That's the end of it. Then he comes out this week and muffs a punt. Uh, very start of the game. Um, he has <laughs> to be smarter next than one. That. Yeah, he, he has to be smarter than that. Does how much does this hurt his his stock right now? Because that I mean, if you that's I'm, that's what got him benched last year. I'm not going to say we know it's, he can return. Yeah, it's just I'm McCarthy's not, not going to McCarthy's not going to deal with stupid mistakes like that because that'll no. kill a team. And you know what? This team may or may not at this point have a dangerous returner ready to fill that role. But they're not going to deal with poor ball security. Yeah, like you just said, Mike McCarthy's not going to deal with that. I would personally, I would rather see a guy go out there and have a good sense about when to wave off for the fair catch, when to not risk it, than yeah. see a guy just trying to hit a home run every play. Uh, we've McCaffrey. been there with Favre, Max McCaffrey. You know he's yeah. surprisingly capable. Yeah. At that spot, I did not realize he's got really good hands. Yeah, and and like you just mentioned, kid's got some good hands. In turn, when it comes to the right, like he, I, I was on. It was later in the game, but it was he was going to take a punt, and it looked like he was going to take it and called fair catch and just let it go. Did the smart thing, <laughs> you know. And Trevor Davis, I know, I feel like Trevor Davis is <clears throat> he might be forcing the issue a little bit, and I think that may be his problem yeah. where he's. He's so intent. We already talked about uh, the tape he sent to the special teams coach and and all that stuff. And then he comes out last week and returns one for a touchdown. And I think he's – the fact that he's trying to push the issue a little bit may be uh, in direct conflict with, with him being smart as a returner. Uh, you know, sometimes yeah. sometimes this, just the best thing a return man can do is just to catch the damn ball and get off the field. You know? <laughs> And you know, it just this also further clouds the wide receiver room because you got Geronimo Allison out there who has apparently developed juke moves over the summer. I know, dudes out there looking like you know, Donald Driver. People and yeah, a really tall Donald Driver. Yeah, I mean, dude, dude shook five defenders after the catch on his two receptions. Damn, um, you know he he was shaking people. Like we talked about Jeff Janis, the hype train is rolling ahead at full speed. Oh, God. He made some tough catches. That that over-the-shoulder he caught on the, the go-route downfield was an impressive catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had another sideline catch in this game, too. And then Max McCaffrey, like we just talked about, he didn't have quite the showing that he had in week one. But, you know, combined his, his good hands, his superb route-running ability, and the 17-yard punt return... 
it's it's hard to to say oh he won't make the team you, you can't and then you got uh you got Crockett you got Michael Clark and you know Yancey was a non-factor in this game but he was drafted in the fifth round I don't think they'll take a chance of putting him on the practice squad and we still don't know what we're going to get with Malachi Dupree exactly until he takes the field yeah I mean it's crazy I, I, for me personally I think Geronimo Allison <clears throat> he's the number four receiver right now I think, yeah. I think they I like him that much. I think he showed enough playing last year. I know he's facing that one game suspension, so that that f- figuring out the receivers, they may have an extra week to do it. Because oh yeah, Allison yeah, that, gone that one first game week. suspension gives them one week to make a decision, one yeah. extra week to make a decision on the receivers. But uh, yeah, it just, I mean, I I could see them keeping seven. I mean, it's it's it's. It wouldn't surprise no, me. I mean, it's possible, but it would be the first time it's ever happened back to back years in league history. We may see it. I'm telling you. I mean, between Yancey, Janice, and Trevor Davis, I mean, that would be your seven right there. So one of those guys would have to go. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just all a matter of who. <laughs> Yeah, and I keep. I mean, my initial instinct is just to say eh, it's Jeff Janis's time. He, I'm sure he can he can find a nice niche with the Vikings or something like that. But I'll be goddamn if that if that dude just does not go away. He's a little cockroach. You think he's gone? He just keeps yeah, coming. Yeah, and he just and if he's gonna run routes like this and make the tough catches, I mean, the dude's got good size. He's what like six three. Mm-hmm. And he's got absolute blazing speed. And he's getting off the line a lot better this year than he did last year. That was a big issue for him last season was just getting off the jam. Yeah. He's doing better with that right now. I mean, he's not Devontae Adams getting off the jam. It doesn't seem like anybody is in the league right now with that. But <laughs> Devontae Adams is just mean. Yeah, he's better. He is, man. <laughs> but... uh <clears throat> He did you see the tweet he put out the other day of him himself laughing, and it, it was like captioned something like, "Remember last year when everybody wanted to cut you?" Yeah, and I got I'm guilty of that. I didn't even think that was on some of our early shows. Yeah. We we're like, "Is this Devonte we, Adams? We've yeah, is this Devonte Adams' last chance at proving himself? He, he may get cut." You know, yeah, kind of this like we've talked about, kind of the same conversation we're having about Demarius Randall. So maybe Randall will. Uh, it will get another yeah. uh, another version of that on the defensive side. But speaking of the defense, and, I thought the defense looked great. I think the defense did a great job holding the, the Redskins yeah. to three points after that muff uh, from Trevor Davis. I thought that was fantastic. The run defense. Oh, yeah, that was a big The stand. run defense, man, still Nasty. dominant. And it's, I think it's only going to get better than last. I mean, last year, what was it, third in the league? I think it's going to be better this year. It, it was – it was first in the league for a few weeks, and then I think I'm pretty sure they did finish the season third in the league. I could see them being first in the league this year. I do too, especially with Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry taking some steps forward, adding some veteran depth with Ricky Jean Francois. You got Christian Ringo in there, who I think is almost a shoe in to make the team this year. Uh huh. And they've got some some nasty nasty players up there, and Mike Daniels is leading them all. And I think the the unsung hero 
in terms of the, of this Packers run defense is the senior himself, Jake Ryan. Amen. Jake to that. Ryan is a fantastic run defender. And you know, like, I, I took note of in the game uh, as well. Not this completely outside of his run defense prowess, but he broke up two one-on-one passes where he was just put on an island against a receiver and broke them both up twice. I mean, it, that was impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think we're we're talking a lot about Morgan Burnett having a big breakout year uh, in terms of, of playing his new role, but I think Jake Ryan can really make a name for himself this year, and it's just a really good run, it's just oh, yeah. a really good middle linebacker altogether. He he flashed for me a couple of times. I I'm still iffy on Blake Martinez. I think Martinez had a, a bit of an up and down game. He missed a tackle on the running back. I think yeah. uh, P Ryan. Missed a tackle on on one play and then came back the very next play and tackled him for a loss. So he did make a he, he redeemed himself a little bit. But you know between Martinez and, and Joe Thomas, who I thought Joe Thomas played a, a, a pretty good game you as well. They had him matched Joe up Thomas against continues to look good. Yeah, they had him matched up against Chris Thompson, the the receiving back for uh, a yeah. lot of the second quarter. And that was a fun little battle to watch because that was it seemed like every yeah. play that was those guys going at it, whether it was a run running play or a passing play. So um I think we have I'm three really a, solid linebackers. I'm just a really big fan of Joe Thomas. This you know, he was he's one of those undrafted guys that we love to talk about with Green Bay every year. There's always someone and the last what, like three years now, it's Joe Thomas, two, three years. He just He's yeah. like the Jeff Janice of the defense, but he's a starter. <laughs> exactly. It was like when we were playing Title Town Tender. We were just Joe Thomas is he's like he's just that girlfriend that you can't marry and give the big contract to, but you know, you like to keep him around because they just won't you know, you don't want him to go. You know? Yeah, like I mean, you know, she Joe Thomas is that girl that when you're single you like to call her up and, you know, talk like you're dating and stuff like that and talk on the phone late at night but you just can't really commit to her yeah joe thomas has been friend zoned basically yeah <laughs> i'll take it what the fuck all right um friend we got zone joe on. thomas we'll move on from uh, the old friend zone joe thomas um god we got a new nickname we gotta start making t-shirts oh, yeah. friend zoned joe you know thomas. Uh, uh staying with the defense kevin king had some he had some good, uh, really solid spots in this game. I I still don't like his body language sometimes because he still seems like he's looking at other people to to do a little more. But that's not how it works in this league. Just you know the throwing the hands up and the shrugging the shoulders and things like man, you you can't depend on everybody. You got to do your job. Yeah. It- but uh, you know, I, I, you know, it's it's growing. Nothing pain. really stood out too much. Yeah, exactly. He's 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 still a he's, you know, still a college it's, player um, basically at this point. Your preseason yeah. rookie, you know. But well, I mean, I, you know, he wasn't there for OTAs and things like that. And like I said, with, with cornerbacks and defensive backs, I, I I think you give them two or three years before you really. Yeah really know oh, what yeah. you got. I yeah. mean, even even a guy like Richard Sherman, it took him two or three years to, you know to what, get a though? starting spot. So 
we've got some really good names in that cornerback room. The three that jump out to me are Lindsey Pipkins. That's just fun to say. You got Rayshon <laughs> Pringle. And then Donatello <laughs> Brown. I love that we have a player named Donatello. That's the wife's favorite Ninja Turtle. That is an awesome name. And he, he looked pretty sharp. He almost had that interception in this yeah. game, too. Almost had it. But him and... Pipkins, uh, I can't believe he... <laughs> I can't believe Pipkins got away with slamming that receiver. Yeah. That was after the whistle. And we can't forget about Herb Waters, too. Great names. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about some good stuff. You knew we were going to have to do it. Everybody out there does it from time to time, but we've got to talk about the bad. We've got to talk about some of the dark spots. And Go ahead. One, get into your get into your Jason got, Spriggs you know diatribe because I, I can hear it. I can't it's avoid it. It's spilling over over there. I can't avoid it. He just looks bad. You can't avoid he you can't avoid really it the bad. way you can't avoid it the way Smoking Joe couldn't avoid defenders on his two series. <laughs> exactly. That sums it's it up. Left and right. I mean the second team line wasn't pretty throughout the game. But dude, Spriggs got beat multiple times for sacks. He gave up the most pressures. He just and, and I said it. I don't know if I said it on the last show or I said it when we were doing the mic test. I'm not sure, but it's his hands. His feet are not mm-hmm. bad. I'm going to give him that. His feet are quick. They're moving. They're, they're not bad, but he did not add the strength I would have expected him to add with two off-seasons in the NFL now. he That initial pop coming off the ball, he doesn't recover well from. He gets easily beat, and I I stress that easily beat with counter moves. Guys going back inside, you know he can't read stunts. His you know he's not going to get cut. He's a second round pick. They gave up a lot to take, but his hand placements all over the place. He he looks to me like I just want to scream at him like Lombardi. You know everybody's grabbing out there. He's just grabbing. And, man, I, I don't know. I really hope well, David Bakhtiari does not go down this year at any time. That's all I can say for that. Yeah, that would be a nightmare scenario. But let, let me ask you this. I, I know he's struggled. He's, you know, he's he's had his issues. We'll all agree with that. I think everybody can see that. But is the fact that he's an Indiana Hoosier have anything to do as a diehard UK fan not at all the fact that he's a Hoosier have anything to do with your your toughness on him I think no it it really doesn't and because you know you remember I I wasn't high on him in the draft but then I started to watch his film I did the research on him and I did feel good about him yeah I had I liked him coming out of the draft I liked him when someone's a Packer they're a Packer period I don't care what college they went to I'll save that for Saturdays. On Sundays, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but, you know, I just... And I, I hope he can recover. I don't like to see guys that are overdrafted end up being busts, and then they're just labeled with that for their career. You know, yeah. you don't... 
you don't wish that on guys. So I, I hope that maybe he'll be a Nick Perry type of situation. Maybe it'll take him three or four years to really come into his own and really show something. And if it does, it does. You expect more out of a second-round pick, but this game was worse than the, the Philly game, and I just don't want to see Spriggs continue to get worse. I, I need to see something, something I can look at, anything besides you know his footwork to show me that there's <laughs> got to be something there. Yeah, I hope. <clears throat> I hope so. Like I, like I said, I liked him coming out of the draft. I was excited about that pick when we made it, but I got to agree with you. I, he's he made fifty five on the Redskins look like an All Pro. Uh, oh yeah, when he was out there. So I, you know, but you know. Poor, Going poor in, Smoking Joe just caught the worst of it. Yeah, before we get into Smoking Joe, we, we let's let's go back to some of the good here and go back to that second team offense with Brett Hundley, who I was I was a little rough on last Ooh. week. Didn't like that. Didn't, didn't didn't much care for his performance against Philadelphia, but after a, an ugly first series for not just him but for the whole offense in, in general, that first series was just hard to watch. <clears throat> but after that. They caught on. They look great. You got the Jeff Janis 38-yard over-the-shoulder catch. Uh, you had the the Hunley to Aaron Jones touchdown. Um, I think Hunley was four for four on that drive. So uh, Hunley looked really, really sharp. And it, like we were talking about earlier, if I'm Jacksonville, um, I might be uh, I might be taking a hard look at this tape on Brett Hunley. <laughs> Well, I mean, and you know what stands out to me about Hunley, and it's these two weeks combined, because we did mention last week that four of those passes that were incompletions on the stat sheet against Philly were drop passes that hit his receivers right in the numbers. True. They were all good balls. But his stat line coming out of this week, he went 9 of 10 for 107 yards and a touchdown, which ended up equating to a 144.6 rating. He's efficient. He's not taking a lot of risks with the ball. He's not being being silly with it. He's not trying to do too much. <clears throat> and, you know, he, he's accurate with the deep ball. That mm-hmm. over-the-shoulder ball to Jeff Janice was a perfectly thrown ball. It, it got yeah, just I mean, enough even... air under it like it needed to. It had a great spiral, and it dropped right where it needed to drop. Yeah, and we saw that, I mean, like we saw that last week with the touchdown pass to Jeff Janice, perfectly placed in the end zone. Yeah. Uh, you know he's 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 an accurate. I mean, he's a good player. I mean, this is a, he was highly touted coming out of college. I think I, I was surprised he dropped yeah. as far as he did in the draft. Um, oh, I was I thought too. He, I thought he looked really, really good in this game. Uh, so he he bounced and back for you me. Know, if if there's a team out there like Jacksonville that probably will have quite a strong running game and does have some talent at receiver and tight end. <laughs> Jacksonville, we, we can't mention you enough. Um, <laughs> you know, a, a team out there like that uh, that could use a quarterback who's going to come in and may not come out right away and win the game for you, but isn't going to make the mistake and lose the game for you. He can throw some footballs and, that your you know, goddamn it, receivers can catch. That should be what you're looking for right now. And you know, you've got you've got <laughs> That Leonard should be Fournette. the minimum requirement. You got Fournette down there who came right out and said this football stuff's easy. 
I mean, <laughs> and that's not a paraphrase. Oh. He, Tell that he to really Blake did. He said it. He said, you know, it's a lot easier than I thought it would be. So more power to you for yeah. that. Have at it. But uh, you know, Brett Hundley in that Jacksonville backfield may not be a bad deal. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> as a Packers fan, I mean, it's it's comforting to know that if Rodgers goes down for a game, Hundley can come in and and, and play oh, yeah. adequately. Um, well, I could I could see Hundley but, lasting into the season before they even consider trading him. Yeah. But I'm just hoping he has two more good games. Raise that trade stock a little more. Get a higher draft pick for him. Yeah. Do the <clears throat> Jimmy Garoppolo his ass. You know what? Is, if we'll he call has, verb, verb that. If he has two more games, especially like he did this game, I, I think they can at least get a second rounder for him out of a quarterback hungry team. Yeah. I think it's definitely possible. Hell, maybe even Denver. Oh, boy. Paxton Lynch. Good God, they named Trevor Simeon the starter in Denver. Have you seen Paxton Lynch play? Garbage. (laughs) Good God. Come on, what was John Elway thinking? John Elway got desperate or something with that pick. I don't even know. You know what the funny thing is, too? Jerry Jones was trying to, to trade up to take him in the draft, apparently he wanted he wanted Paxton Lynch over Dak Prescott. You know what? So, for for all the shows Cowboys you, fans, even a blind even world, a blind squirrel can find a nut every now and then. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, for the sake of all the Cowboys <laughs> fans in the world, they ought to be really thankful that Jerry Jones has his son in the same room as him on draft day because he is the only reason Jerry Jones doesn't do a <laughs> lot of stupid things on draft day. Like when he wanted to draft Manziel, and exactly. his son was basically smacking his hand away from the draft slip every five seconds. Like, eh, eh, don't do it. I swear to God, we don't want him. And everybody knows the story of Manziel. So that man's yeah. making a living charging for Although, selfies these days. And he just went into the Hall of Fame. So, well, you know. Yeah. Whatever. <clears throat> but you know somebody who's not going to be in the Hall of Fame? Who? Will Blackman. Aww. Will Blackman was on the red. He's... he's, he's <laughs> well, I mean, I was just... I made a note of it because he was returning kicks for the Redskins in this game. And I was like, holy shit, it's Will Blackman. I thought he was dead. He's been there for a long time <laughs> I was like, now. is he still in the league? I think that's the only other team well, he's last, been last with, I remember... Well, no, he was with Jacksonville, because that's where I remember him being last. I didn't know he was still with Washington. If you want to look it up and double-check me, I hear yeah, uh, I hear the keyboard going. You're double-checking me. <laughs> I, I have to know for myself. I swear he was it's with not, Jacksonville. It's not just double-checking you. I just have to know. I mean, because he was with us for, <laughs> for a number of years. He had a, he had some, yeah. uh, some really memorable plays with the Packers punt returns and things like that. Let's see. Uh, yeah, he oh was no, a good return been, guy. I guess that's why he's still in the league. When he was after... see here. He was released on injury settlement from Green Bay during 2010 roster cutdowns, signed with the Giants 
in October of 2010 mm-hmm. and went on IR. But uh, he re-signed with them in 11 and actually has a Super Bowl ring off of that Giants Super Bowl when they beat the Patriots. Oh, wow. And, Knocking uh, off our 15-1 Packers on the way there. You got a little yeah. bit of revenge, I guess. And then he next appeared with the Seahawks and was released before the season Don't started in that. August. Yeah, yeah. He, he didn't make it to the season. Then he was with Jacksonville. You were right. I don't say that yeah, often, so appreciate that. Yeah, so yeah see? he was with the Jags. See, I'm uh, smart. I'm smart, see? They released him in 2015. He went back to the Seahawks, actually made it to the season. Oh, no, my bad. I read that wrong. He was released before final roster cuts. So the Seahawks have signed him twice <laughs> and released him before the start of the season. And now he's with the Redskins. Let's see, I knew he was with Jacksonville. Seattle, though, they must have been... Good lord. You know what? That was 2015. They were probably trying to pick his brain about Green Bay, and obviously last year that didn't help him any. That is true. That's true. But yeah, I thought I thought the defense played well all through the first half, like I said, playing against the starting starting offense of the Redskins. Redskins did finally score with like thirteen seconds left to play in the second period. Or second quarter. Um, who was it? Cousins did Crowder, I guess it was, for the touchdown on fourth um, down. I mean, like I, I said, it was on fourth so. down, too. So. And it, it was just kind of in a, a little hole in the zone that yeah. nobody really tried to cover. I know it was right in front of Kevin King. That was one of those shoulder shrug yeah, but that moments wasn't, that, that would not like. Him. But yeah. it, was, it was just a zone. I mean, they just found the hole in the zone. That was a, a quick pass right where it needed to be that would have been kind of hard for anybody to defend playing a a zone like that. But you know what? You talk about the defense, it took our reserves going in for Washington to score. Yeah. Second-team defense. So, I mean, I, I got to be happy Like I said, that. I don't know if that says any what, good about our defense or bad about our offense, but I'll we'll, I'll, I'll take the glass half full <laughs> yeah. theory and think that our, our second team defense is still just that good. Um, yeah. But, yeah, looking into the second half here, uh, the one – going back to some of the negatives that I, I, I see in this game, and I, we talked about it last week, and when we were talking about what to look forward to uh, in this game, we were hoping to see – you know, more of the running game, a more improved running game. And uh, the running game still continued to struggle. What did, didn't matter if it was Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, uh, Devontae Mays. Uh, you know, Mays, yeah. Mays looks and, and, good. It's just the run game as a whole still struggle. You know, and it's just... Other than the uh, quarterback. You know, and Aaron Jones finished with... Uh, 4.7 yards per carry on the game, but that was only on three carries. He really didn't carry any more than yeah. that. The rest of his uh, his action was as a receiver. You know, and he he had the touchdown in the flat. So you know that's some good heads up heads up play right there. But uh, you know, Devontae Mays he's he's got some burst to him. Uh, 
I think I think he'll end up on the practice squad most likely, and I hope they can stash him there because I think he's got some talent that could really be tapped into. But the only thing yeah. that I'm I'm gonna say in defense of the running game, kind of you know not really taking off, is that looking at the snap counts in this game, they had snaps go to six guys in the backfield. They're spreading, trying to spread these snaps out, and on a pass-first team, there's not a ton of snaps that are going to go around between six backs, counting the fullbacks. Mm-hmm. Especially when they run, you know, they run a lot of one-back sets, too, and... I think at this point in the preseason, you just kind of have to look for what positives you can trying to spread the ball that much over that many backs. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. It's still concerning to me, though. You got your running back room is a guy that's converting from a wide receiver and then like four or five rookies. You know, there's not a lot of proven. I, I still think Montgomery's going to be fine. I think I think he'll be okay. I think I just think they'll they'll probably use him more as like a bigger version of a James White, you know, something like that. I mean, do uh, a much I think bigger version got, um, of Kevin Falk, if you want to go back that far. Maybe. Uh, I mean, do I think we've got a twelve hundred yard rusher in the room? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. But Jamal Williams, know, maybe Tom in a Montgomery, couple of years, but not now. Yeah, not not now. And you know, Ty Montgomery could yeah. come out and surprise everybody on the face of the earth this year and run for a thousand yards. If he taps into whatever he tapped yeah. into in you know in Chicago last year, then yeah. I just yeah. I feel like he's going to be more durable this season because he was able to add a little more muscle to his frame. He's been able to train his body like a running back and understand his position more. So I I feel like once we get to see real game action and not just the team trying to get a look at every back that they can, spreading the ball out so much, when we see them go to Montgomery as a primary back in the regular season, I think that's when we're going to see more of what this team really wants to do as far as when, how, and what type of plays they want to use to run the ball. Yeah. I think Montgomery, though, I think he could be one of those guys that could have 12, 1,300 yards all purpose receiving and like I could see oh, him definitely. having eight. Yeah, I like, think that's you know, for sure. Seven or 800 yards rushing, 500 yards receiving. I think that would, I think that's more likely than, you know, a 1,200 yard rusher. I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, and, I think that's. And you know what? 800 yards rushing is going to be more than enough to have the threat of the run against the defense. Yeah. It's like I said, this offense doesn't need, you know, uh, Adrian Peterson. You know, when when the whole, you know, no. Peterson ran for 2,000 yards and carried the Vikings into the playoffs, and then they swiftly lost uh, to the Packers uh, in the wild card game. But, I mean, um, they don't, they don't yeah. need to have a, a combo like – you know, 2,000-yard rushers like, who was it that year in Indy? Uh, Dominic Rhodes and Joseph Adai that year when they carried Peyton Manning to the Super Bowl with that defense. Mm-hmm. In Carolina, when they had uh, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo I gotta get my, I got to get my shot in there just for <laughs> just for TJ. 
It's always good to take a shot at the Colts, which I think a lot of teams are going to be taking a good shot at the Colts this year yeah. after seeing them in preseason. And Andrew Luck's still not practicing, Ooh. so uh, it might be a rough year for the Colts. But uh, it was a rough fucking game for Smoking Joe. We we ended on it earlier, but oh, Smoking Joe. He played two series. I think he, he completed two passes. Maybe they were like, get him out of there before he gets decapitated. Uh, get the kid, put the put the kid in that can run. He had just because he's gonna need to. No protection. <laughs> no, <clears throat> like not. I mean, he tried to make things happen, and one thing I think definitely old Smoking Joe needs to improve on is his ball security. I know he's trying to make plays, and he's kind of that. He's kind of that. Oh yeah, feast or famine kind of guy. But you know, sometimes you just got to tuck the ball away and take a yeah. sack. You know. <clears throat> Well, I mean, that, and he, I think he bails a little too early on some plays, trying to scramble around and doesn't necessarily scramble always in the right direction. You know, instead of going forwards or sideways, he (laughs) tends to go backwards at times, but that line just didn't help him out at all. So I'm not, I can't put it all on Smoking Joe, but, you know, they, like you said, they brought Taysom Hill in, that boy can run, man. He's fast. Yeah, he's a good athlete and a pretty damn and good he's passer. Shifty. He's not just fast. He's shifty. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> he sidearms things. I noticed that. That was one thing I really took note of. He he sidearmed a few balls that really didn't like. It's not something you're going to see a lot of in the NFL, and you really don't need to see a lot of in the NFL. But, uh, yeah, we, we talked about it on the, the mic test. Session, he just took off for that 23 yard touchdown and stiff armed a guy on the way in. I mean, he shook some guys, <laughs> he showed some, yeah, he showed some ability to be not only fast but shifty as well. Mm-hmm. And he, he got there, he, he, he showed to me too, like he seemed granted, he's not on the level of. Aaron Rodgers, I don't think really anybody is, but he does have some pocket presence, and he can, he he showed a little bit of an ability to me to uh, sense the pressure and stay in the pocket and use his feet to avoid the pressure, not to take off running just because. He took off running when it was his last resort. So that's encouraging. Yeah, um... <clears throat> I thought it was interesting, though, talking about the quarterbacks. Smoking Joe only got two series. He only played in two series in the game before, and Taysom Hill pretty much came in and played the entire fourth quarter. Um, what does that say to yeah. you? What do you make of that? Do you feel that the coaches are – because it's, it's, a, it's a pretty fierce competition right now for that number three quarterback spot between Joe Callahan and uh, Taysom Hill. And he'll if he just continues to keep making plays and and pulling out these 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 wins in the end of these preseason games, uh, it's going to be hard to you know a keep him <clears throat> keep him off of the roster and b keep him on a practice squad or anything. He, he's they're going somebody else is going to snag him up. A team like the Jets could use you know a project like Hill. So. You know, where, do you, where do you see the quarterback competition right now between Callahan and uh, and and Hill? I mean, I think after that game, 
I think anybody would say that Taysom Hill's got a bit of a leg up on Smoking Joe right now just because of the performance. And maybe it was just an isolated incident. Maybe not. I don't know. I think they would have a better chance of stashing Smoking Joe on the practice squad at this point than they would Taysom Hill just purely because of Hill's athleticism. That's something you can't teach. You don't teach speed. And he's got speed. Yeah, I mean, he's a playmaker. We we saw that on the touchdown. Um, I don't yeah. know. I want to... All right, here's the hard part McCarthy for me when it comes... A lot. He liked him coming out of college. I know, I know. But here's the hard part for me. Smoking Jay, it's kind of like when you have a when you have a dog and you fell in love with the puppy and the puppy grew up to be a grown dog and then you get the new puppy and the puppy's so cute and and just does all this funny stuff and you and you start to fall in love with the puppy but you don't want to, you know. I'm so- <laughs> ignore the old dog. Yeah, exactly. Smoking Joe, man, that's our that's the puppy we grew up with last I mean, year. I, I knew where that's your boy. was going. That's our boy, and now we yeah. got this new puppy coming in. He's all yeah, I mean, cute and fluffy, and he does all these cool things. And now you're like, ah, I like this too. Sorry, I'm sitting here watching my dog sleep. Smoking so Joe was the star of our right. first. Uh, yeah, Smoking <laughs> Joe was the star of the first Blue Cheese Radio preseason. Yeah, and now there's I mean, this. We'll always be attached to uh, to Smoking Joe for that, and now we've got Hill. We got to come up with a nickname. The Stormin' Mormon. Isn't that what they used to call Austin Collie before he, you know, had like 40 concussions? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't think... Uh, Stormin' is the only thing I could think of that rhymed with Mormon. Because I've been trying to think of... I'm, don't trust me. I've been trying to think yeah. of some nicknames for Taysom Hill. And Stormin' Mormon's all I could think of. But that, that it definitely sounds like a name that's been used. Because Stormin' is pretty much the only thing that rhymes with Mormon that can be used in, in, in a football context. So. Yeah. I mean, we could call Jamal Williams the Stormin' Mormon. Yeah. It, it works. Man, I tell yeah, you what. I mean, they were teammates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, BYU. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the quarterback competition is going to be really fun to watch between those two the next two weeks. Either way, I, I'm a fan of either one. Like you said, when they're a Packer. Oh, yeah. They're, you know, they're part of the family, but, um, you know, I still, I still have a soft spot for old smoking Joe. I think he's, uh, always. Yeah. He's still, you're still our boy smoking Joe. Don't worry. You're still our boy, but you just swooned over him. (laughs) (laughs) You said, uh, (laughs) shut up. All right. Um, moving on. Uh, anything else you wanted to point out about this game? Any other guys that stood out to you? I thought uh, the safety Aaron Taylor looked pretty awesome with that big hit, forcing uh, the yeah. fourth down yeah, on the good. receiver. I, that hit was nice. Um, Lindsey Pipkins had that near interception like we talked about. But uh, otherwise than that, Max McCaffrey, another solid performance, receiving and with punt return. You know, and, uh, the listeners missed our, our in-depth conversation on – Justin Vogel and his his punting ability during uh, our fake sponsor break, but uh, you know you brought me back to ground a little bit during that short conversation. Vogel, like you you mentioned, every everybody Mike uh, 
made sure to point out to me that Vogel has some good backspin on his kicks, and he's been really good at putting the ball inside the 20. And um, you made a good point, too, that they, they're not going to depend, I don't think, with this offense on a big leg guy, but an accurate guy who can put the ball where they need to. So, yeah. you know, thank, yeah, thank I, you to Mike for bringing me back down to earth and <laughs> seeing the error of my ways and criticizing Justin Vogel. Well, I've been trying to pay attention more to uh, special teams here as of late. For some reason, it's it's piqued my interest a little bit more here lately than it has in years past. Well, it's an interesting, um, interesting group. It is, and I think it started when the... the my interest really grew when the, when the I think I guess it was last year when they started taking the touchbacks to the twenty five, um, and I realized every team would just kick them yeah. kick them out of the back of the end zone like it would nothing, but New England were smart. They were like, okay, we're not just going to give you the twenty five yard line. Their kicker Gustowski started kicking them off every kickoff. Go back and watch it. Every kickoff, kickoff would land right near the sideline at about the one the one yard line of the goal line to enforce them. And I've noticed that I, they were one of the only teams, if the if not the only team, that did that on a consistent basis. So I've been watching to see if other teams are starting to pick up on that. And I think the Packers are, are kind of starting to pick up on that in a way when it comes to special well, teams. And, I think and the, Crosby is a very good directional kicker. Yeah. And I think that's what they wanted with, you know, a guy like Vogel compared to, like you said, a guy with just a big leg, just a guy that, because, you know, this offense, they're, they're, they're not planning on going three and out too many times this season. Um, so if they have to punt, they're, they're thinking, well, it'll be, you know, around mid, you know, midfield or so. So if we can get a guy that can just pin them deep inside the five or the 10, you know, that's what we kind of want, like what Mike Cyphers used to do for for the San Diego Chargers. Um, so I think I think Vogel's a good pick here. He's like you said, he like you you yeah. mentioned his hang time. He struggles to get past that four second mark. But I think you know, it, in terms of just the accuracy of a punter, I like what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I like he he does well and he does really well using that Aussie style <laughs> kick. And yeah, that's something that a lot of partners are doing out. in the league now. That's really, uh, really permeated, not just in Green Bay but throughout the league. You're seeing that more often. It makes you wonder if we'll uh, we'll ever see some more drop kicks again, like old Doug Flutie put out there on his last play. <laughs> oh, the flute! But uh, playing the flute. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that really covers it for me and anything that I really took note of during the game. Yeah, that, that's pretty much all I had. I think the main thing coming out of this one, Hill looked good. The Jeff Janis hype train's rolling again. Trevor Davis continues to screw up. Brad Hundley with the, a big bounce back, looking really sharp. D-line uh, looks great. Jason Spriggs can go to hell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, run defense still looking sharp Geronimo Allison looks like another Donald Driver and Will Blackman is still alive folks yes Will Blackman is still alive but we'll be back next week we got Packers and Broncos on Saturday Uh, the third preseason game this is the 
the dress rehearsal, if you will. This is where they do a little bit of game planning. We'll see a little bit more Aaron Rodgers in the first team offense than we did uh, uh, this week because I doubt we'll see any, if at all, uh, of them in the fourth preseason game. So, no. uh, in, instead of just telling everybody, yeah, just instead of just telling everybody uh, what we expect from this game, uh, we got a little special something for you guys coming up here. Uh, it's something we like to do on the show every season, throughout the season. Uh, instead of just picking winners and losers, we like to try to look into the crystal ball, look into the Lombardi crystal ball to, to see what's going to happen. What are the stories that are going to be coming out of this game? What are the stat lines, if you will, baby doll, coming out of this game? This is a game we like to play. The return of stat lines. Preseason edition. The preseason is here. It's our preseason version of stat lines. So here we go. I'll go first to uh, to set the stage. Let you guys know what I'm thinking is going to go down in this football game. Packers at the Broncos on Saturday. I think we'll see. I think we'll see more of Aaron Rodgers. I don't think we'll see. I don't think we'll see a full half of Aaron Rodgers. I think we'll probably see a quarter of Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I think it took me a minute to think. I think because sometimes they like to just let Aaron Rodgers go out there and throw it in the preseason, like they did. Uh, I, I think it was last preseason. Or maybe it was the preseason before that. I can't remember. It's hard to tell what they want to do. But I think these first two games, they've, they, I don't think they've shown what they wanted to show in terms of the run game. So I, I, I think they're going to lean more towards the run, but I see Aaron Rodgers going 8 of 11, 93 yards, and probably a quarter, maybe another series into the second quarter just to, you know. But I, I, I see him leaning on the run a little bit here uh, and just keeping Rodgers efficient, 8 of 11, 93 yards. And speaking of leaning on the run, I think we see um, a bit of a statement game for Ty Montgomery uh, not much to show in, in the first preseason game. Didn't play in the second preseason game, but I think he comes back uh, with a nice showing here in the third preseason game against a, a stout Broncos team. And I think he uh, he, he kind of he puts my, he puts me at ease because like I've talked about the past two weeks, the run game is a concern. But I think he puts me at ease in this game. Nine carries, forty-one yards, and a touchdown uh, in limited action for Ty Montgomery. And my third stat line of this game. Uh, a receiver is going to step out of the pack and make a statement and a claim. He's going to make a huge play. Uh, who am I talking about? I'm talking about Max McCaffrey. Max McCaffrey is really going to make it hard on this coaching staff uh, of which receiver to keep, which receivers to let go of. I think Max McCaffrey has a pretty good, pretty good game. Uh, four receptions, 37 yards, and he will have a touchdown. Uh, in this game. So those are my stat lines for this week. Ty, what are yours? Yeah, I like it, Mike. I like it. We're on the same same wavelength that we often are when we play stat lines during the season. I think we see a whole quarter out of Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to get a little bit more, not much, but a little bit more than what you said. I think he goes 9 for 13 for 101 yards and a touchdown in this game. That's my Aaron Rodgers preseason wow. stat line. For that quarter, I think he's gonna come out and just sling it. Just they're gonna they're gonna let him him do what he wants there. I'm also going to the running game with Ty Montgomery. I think he's gonna have seven carries for 80 yards. He's 
gonna bust one big one. That's where he's, he's gonna get that that bump up there. I just it's it's you know my bold prediction bold. for these stat lines. I think he has one big about fifty yard run down the field. I like it. But I think he gets a touchdown, but it's a receiving touchdown on a twenty three yard screen pass. The Packers have struggled with that screen a little bit this preseason. They're gonna right the ship with it in this game against Denver. And you know I can't go offense three straight tries. I gotta go to the defense. And I'm gonna say that, you know, with this Denver offensive line, they're not the best in the league. They're definitely not what they used to be. And I think in that first half, when we see a lot of the starters on defense, Nick Perry gets into the backfield and gets a sack. Nice. Taking down old Trevor Simeon. <laughs> so you got Aaron Rodgers. What would you say? Nine. Hit me with those again. Nine and I, I, I was, I was blown, I'm too blown away by that Ty Montgomery. Nine third, one one one, and a touchdown. My mouth and stuck. And touchdown going My to Ty Montgomery, who has. I thought about it. I regret it now. <laughs> I want to change with the what, that. The, with what? The Ty Montgomery? Yeah. The seven carries. I hey, I like I didn't it, dude. Mean to I was, say eighty yards. It's late. What did you mean to say? I just I said eighty yards, and I was like, Shh, I don't know. It's almost three thirty in the morning. But it came out, so I just ran with it. <laughs> you know what? Leave it alone. We're just going to go with it. Are it's you preseason. Ha- are you having a series of small strokes right now? What are you talking? <laughs> we'll just go. We'll just go with 80 yards. Just don't yeah, I felt really it. good about that. I felt like you really saw into the future because then you named that he was going to catch a 23-yard screen pass for a touchdown. <laughs> like, really specific shit there. So I was like, God damn, this dude really knows what's going on. I mean, I just... <laughs> I just kind of Peter Griffined my way through that where I blacked out and didn't know what I was saying. It just happened. <laughs> the spirit of Ty Montgomery took you over and was like, seven carries, 80 yards, plus a 23-yard screenplay for a touchdown, bitch. I was like, all right, man, I guess. But Take it or leave it. I was like, it. you're really going bold. Hey, guys. Hey, it's the preseason, everybody. We're, we're, still, we're still working on this, too, so... Uh, we're still perfecting and we're, we're still warming up the crystal we, we gotta ball. shake the rust off a little bit but uh <laughs> yeah then i I've, I've got nick perry for the sack we may cash in the crystal ball and go with the delorean week one <laughs> yeah we'll that see. delorean man it needs needs an oil change needs a few newton tires but uh we'll, we'll, we'll get it going uh, so those are your stat lines for a preseason game number three packers at the broncos on saturday uh if you guys want to play along at home you can uh, we'll see what happens. I, I, th- I think I'm a little bit more realistic, but man, I'll tell you what. I will tell you what. If Ty Montgomery gets seven carries for 80 <laughs> yards plus a 23-yard screen for a touchdown, I will never play this damn game again. You will be forever the king of stat lines. You will be the stat line king for all of eternity. It will be on your tombstone when you're old and gray and, and pass away. So there you have it, folks. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Blue Cheese Radio, at Radiation Mike, at Titletown Ty. Uh, always, always fun to, to to speak with everyone on there. We don't really speak, I guess. We type with them, uh, to be literal. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Blue Cheese Radio. We're on Frasier. there as well. Yes, Fraser Watch is about to begin. Uh, it has been two Mondays in a row. We have not heard uh, anything. 
from our boy Frazier. So, Frazier, if you're out there and you're listening, uh, don't forget about us now, man. We're, we're still on Twitter, man. We're still taking questions. Uh, and if anybody's heard from him, anybody's Come heard from him, let us know. Come on back, man. So, um, so Facebook.com backslash Blue Cheese Radio. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Hit that button. Don't cost you nothing. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Help us out in the process. Um, we'll love you forever for that, uh, of course. Uh, and, of course, anything, everything, Pack to the Future. The season is right around the corner. You're gonna want. You're just gonna want to put Pack to the Future uh, bookmark it. Put it in your. Uh, put it in your. Uh, put it in your favorites. Uh, everything you need is there. Podcasts, video, articles. Uh, you name it, content. you got it on packtothefuture.com. And of course, the Blue Cheese Mailbag, always open for business. Always open for business. Send us your questions. Ask at gmail.com. We will answer them on the show, guaranteed, free of charge. As Ty always says, the low, low price of free 99. Yes, sir. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. We will be back. Uh, next week to discuss Packers and the Broncos preseason game number three. Uh, but until then, Ty, anything left you want to say to the fine people before we uh, before we cut the cord on this edition just, of Blue Cheese you know, Radio? As always, stay tuned. That regular season's fast approaching. It'll be here before you know it. We're going to hit the uh, final preseason game. There will be the 90-man cut down to 53, which is new this year. So it'll be a lot of, lot of drama. Dude, that 90-man cutdown is going to be chaos. Yeah. There's going to be so many signings come off waivers and whatnot. It's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. that that's going to be interesting. Yeah. No matter how chaotic it gets, though, folks, we will be here with you all the way, the whole time through. So, uh, so there you go. Until next week, I am Mike. And I'm Ty. And there is your dagger. And no, no, no. Here's how it's done. And there is your dagger!